and welcome once again to the Canadian Space Society podcast. I'm your host, Mahima Kapoor, and today's interview is extremely special because we're chatting with Dr. Shana Pandya. She is the director of the Space Medicine Group, um, an aquanaut, and a scientist astronaut candidate at Project Possum. Uh, Project Possum uh, is an astronautics research and education program studying our upper atmosphere and its role in our changing global climate. She's also the Vice President of Immersive Medicine, Alexonic Technologies, and also a physician. And I think those are only a few things that she's involved in. So before we begin, <laughs> I just want to take a moment to formally thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here on this podcast today. Um, I'm sure it must be an intense time for you as a physician but thank you for all that you do and for being here. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to the podcast. I'm really excited to be here today, Mahima. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So I have a long list of questions for you. Um, so let's begin. The first thing that fascinates me right off the bat um, and most about you is that you're a multi-potentialite. You're a physician, um, public speaker, astronaut candidate, um, and all those amazing things that I mentioned in my intro. So I'd be curious to know how you strike a beautiful balance between all your interests um, and manage your time so well to be able to contribute effectively to everything. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, and it, it's, I have to say, taking a step back, I think one of the coolest things about being a, an adult is one day waking up to realize that all the dreams that you had in various fashions as a kid, whether it's being a doctor, whether it's being a scientist, astronaut, candidate, whether it's developing cool technology that will go towards helping space medicine, um, you know, all of those things those dreams that you had as a kid that I has a, had as a kid um, can come to fruition with a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, so, so yes, life is very busy. I love everything that I do. And in answer to your question, checklists definitely run my life. Checklists, deadlines, prioritization. Um, and often what I say um, to people who ask about how I, you know, manage to do different things, um, you know, the, the flippant responses, it's, it's a little bit like juggling chainsaws on fire at times while, rock, <laughs> while walking a tightrope. Um, but, more, but more seriously, I say there's a, se there's a season for everything. So it doesn't mean that, you know, on the same day that I'm going to go test a spacesuit in zero G that I'm also delivering a baby and, um, you know, saving lives and um, perhaps also going attending a company meeting. Um, so I'm not doing all the same things in the same 24 hours. I'm doing what is most pressing that day. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it shifts from day to day. So I think I think realizing that, you know, Maybe there's a lot on the on the whole big picture when we look at my life, but on a daily basis, it's not, you know, I have the same 24 hours as everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so coming more specifically to your interest in space, was it something that you were interested in as a child or was it something that you developed an interest over time? Because you have all these various interests. So I want to hone in on your interest in space and, and how you developed that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So um, I, like many children, wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. I was, you know, enamored with the night sky. We would go camping all the time as a family. And, you know, when you're out away from city lights, the night stars, the night sky, it just jumps out at you. 
Um, and so I was always, I always loved space as a kid. I would always read about astronomy and um, the, our solar system. I grew up in the 90s when, um, you know, our Canada's second ever astronaut class was um, completing its training. Um, and I was just very, very inspired by Dr. Roberta Bondar, who would go on to be the first female Canadian in space. And I said, okay, well, I want to be like that. And so there was a love affair um, with this from the very beginning. And then actually, you know, coming into high school, coming into undergrad, um, you know, part of me forgot about the space part of the dream, but in another sense, um, that was always there with me at every step of the way, because when I look at what I initially wanted to do, um, it was because of space. So I looked at Dr. Bondar's resume and I said, okay, she's female, I'm female, check. She's Canadian, I'm Canadian, she's a girl guide, I'm a girl guide. So now all I need to do is become a neuro something type of doctor um, and then be accepted to the uh, space agency and then go fly and be an astronaut. And then, you know, as a kid, that's it was as simple as that. So that actually is what made me want to be a neurosurgeon when I was in high school and then actually pushed me to study neuroscience as my undergraduate degree um, a, a for my bachelor's. And then uh, what it, it's what made me push me towards medical school. So even even when I focused on medicine, there was a space undercurrent there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I think related to this, I would love to hear a little bit more about your transition from neurosurgery to the space sector. What was that moment? Because um, I know you did your, your master's um, in between, you know, your med, your med school and your, um, and your uh, bachelor's. So what was that like that transition from, from integrating all these interests together, space and medicine specifically? Yeah, and so just to, to, to give the audience who may not know the backstory, so um, I did a lot of space-related things um, after undergrad and throughout medical school. I did my master's at the International Space University. I interned at the European Astronaut Center in the Crew Medical Support Office. I was lucky enough to intern at Johnson um, Space Center, um, NASA's um, one of the NASA bases where the astronauts train. Um, and so space was very much a part of my life throughout medical school. Um, and then I applied and was lucky enough to get into and train in neurosurgery for a few years. Um, and so that was an amazing part of my life as well. Um, but it was also very, very all encompassing. Like when you were that focused in um, something so, so um, all encompassing with neurosurgery, there's no time for anything else. And after a few years, I took a step back and recalibrated. Um, and it was it was a little bit like resurfacing again, because during that period of time to focus on neurosurgery, I'd cut back on all my other activities and extracurricular activities. And so space was one of the things that I immediately reached for because I very much missed that world. And so reintegrating, was was actually it was it was a little bit of effort but it was it was easy um because for, for anyone who's ever worked in the space sphere it's you know it's it's like family everyone's passionate everyone's driven everyone has you know goals about something hard but um that you need to work into teams to achieve um, and so I started to look at space conferences. A friend reached out to me and said, hey, I need someone to chair this track for one of the major space conferences. Can you do it? And, you know, I just started getting, putting out those feelers and 
putting those roots back into the space world. And that was the start of it. And actually that was also the time that I got involved with Project Possum as well. And so um, it was like swinging from one vine to another. It was a very different track, but uh, I managed to keep up the momentum even if I was changing course. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. So what does your average day look like um, as a citizen scientist, astronaut candidate? Um, and what exactly do you do at, at Possum? Yeah, so every day is like a box of chocolates, um, <laughs> as in you don't know what you're going to get. And so, um, you know, I wear lots of hats, as we talked about. So on any given day, I'm doing a little bit of medicine, a little bit of research, um, a little bit of meetings, a little bit of product development. So today, for example, I just finished something like 72, slightly under 72 hours of, of call for ER in, the, in um, rural Alberta. And so I'm just getting back into town, catching up on emails, catching up on um, product development work and work related to um, uh, Luxonic, which uh, where we develop some very cool technology related to space medicine. Um, and then um, on the Project Possum side, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it also differs a lot. So our three mandates right now, we're a fairly new group, um, but it's really kind of a dream job because you get to pick as a group what we want to focus on in space medicine. And there's no there's no as shortage of problems. Um, but uh, we are, our first group, for obvious reasons, is a COVID health task force um, that uh, just seeks to keep the community informed about guidelines and important um, questions that our community may have. Um, the next is a also very common sense arm of the space medicine group where we focus on developing protocols, research, technology, tools that can help further space medicine, health and safety. And then the last one was a project we just wrapped up last month called the Astronaut Mentality Webinar Series, where we learned that through our community's experience in analog environments, austere environments, extreme environments, there's a lot of tools related to mindset and preparedness that can actually relate to life during a pandemic. So um, those are those that's what we deal with. Um, that's the, that's our mandate. And so practically on a day to day basis that translates into meetings, research papers, um, research protocols, new initiatives, course development, um, anything along those lines. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a like a packed day. I, I feel extremely honored that that you even have the time to to talk to me right now. It's it's absolutely amazing um, coming back from you know such a long shift, and it's uh, it's really awesome. Um, so, I the next question I want to ask you, since this podcast is about Canadians in space, um, what is the greatest challenge or barrier that you see? specifically in the Canadian space industry, um, or perhaps in Canadian space policy? I would say that that challenge changes over time. Um, and I think it's I think it's multifactorial. And so I would say visibility and critical mass and um, increasing both of those two things. So Canada has a lot of expertise, excellence and talent. And um, I'm saying this partially because I'm, I'm biased towards space medicine, but also because it's true. But Canada, for example, has a, a legacy and a reputation of excellence when it comes to operational space medicine. And it's we're, we're a very big country. And so finding the pockets of people who are working on hard problems in space, connecting them, developing that momentum and creating networks of resources 
uh, whether it's funding, whether it's support and and helping elevate that. So it's it's better than it was when I started out when I was an undergrad uh, many, many years ago. Um, but I think we're still and we're doing better than we were. But I still think that we we need to make a consistent effort to link ourselves across the country, regardless of whether we're in the deep Arctic, whether we're on the West Coast whether we're um, on the East Coast or Central Canada, just linking ourselves and seeing how we can help each other, build each other up to maintain that reputation of excellence. Yeah, absolutely. And related to that, I would love to know from you, is there one specific space problem that you would personally love to solve or that you would love to see solved within your lifetime? Yeah, 10,000%. And so um, not so much a space like not a specific space problem, but building a framework towards uh, permanent presence on um, on our next targets. So what does medicine on the moon look like? What does medicine on Mars look like as we as we strive to maintain the standards of care that we would have here on Earth in a resource limited and reduced gravity, harsh, increased radiation um, environment? Um, and how do we adapt and how do we how do we build that healthcare system? You know, right now it's with the ISS evacuation is a few hours away. So it's not quite as dire as if you were to have um, an appendicitis on Mars. So what kind of medical facility do you need to build to be able to support that? Um, and then in what phases and what stages do you build that? How do you build an OR on Mars? Um, and, you know, in what stage development does that does that come? Um, so, you know, maybe first you want to have your immediate basic and advanced life support, then you want to have your operating room capabilities. And then beyond that, you know, keeping people healthy and preventing them from getting sick in the first place. Um, how do you build that, that preventative care capacity? Um, so, so th- that's those are the really hard problems. I would love to have a a definitive contribution to within my lifetime, and you know, fantasizing a little bit more, I would love to see the day when we have enough of a human presence on these planetary bodies that we need to have medical specialists in those areas. And I would love to see within my lifetime a you know, lunar medicine. Martian medicine become a medical specialty? What would those what would that training look like? What would those board certification exams look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's a lot that I think about on a day to day basis. And I would say those are those are some of the things that I would like to contribute to within my lifetime. Yeah, that sounds like uh, really exciting stuff. So to tie this interview together, um, I want to come back to chatting a little bit about personal development. I know you've spoken um, at length about, you know, leadership and resilience on various platforms, um, and that really stands out um, amongst all your achievements. Um, But young girls and boys in STEM uh, might look up to you as a role model. I certainly do. Um, But do you have a role model that you look up to, a person who has perhaps helped define yourself as well? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for those, those kind words. That's, that's really nice to hear. Um, so I would say there's two that I want to name. Um, so one is less obvious, but that would be my mom because, um, you know, it, it actually kind of 
came, came like a light switch flipped when a few years ago I was giving a talk and someone said, um, you speak a lot about your dad in your talks, but how come you don't talk about your mom? And that was kind of like an aha moment um, as to why I don't speak about my mom so much. And it's because she is so ingrained in me. I have inherited so much about uh, mental fortitude and strong will from her that I don't even think about it. Um, and a lot of what I've learned about a work ethic has come from her. So I definitely need to give a shout out to her and her work ethic and all the values that she's um, imbibed in me. And then another one is probably perhaps a bit more obvious, but that would be Colonel Chris Hadfield, um, former commander of the International Space Station and retired Canadian astronaut. And um, basically, the reason I look up to him is when I was interning at NASA, um, this was a Canadian Space Agency sponsored medical elective. And they told us in the pre-brief before we went down there that the any Canadians training down there, any astronauts training down there, they would have liaise with us um, medical students. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, that sounds very, very cool. But also they're astronauts. They have better things to do. So you did. I did not think in any way, shape or form this is going to happen. And then, um, you know, within minutes of walking into my my intern office, at Johnson Space Center, the phone rang. And then, you know, I said, hold on for a second, I've misplaced my passport. And then I realized that I'd put Chris Hadfield on hold. Um, and he was asking myself and the other medical student to come to coffee just to, to liaise <laughs> with us. And it's not like he wasn't busy, like he was training to be the commander of the International <laughs> Space Station at the time. And so I look up tremendously to that because in, in whatever brief interactions I had with him, just the amount of sincerity and integrity and character that he exemplified, as well as the more practical lesson of, of paying it forward. Like he absolutely did not need to invest time in a starstruck medical student, but he did. And that lesson really, really sticks forward with me as to why it's important to give others who are just starting out um, that, that mentorship. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's such an important lesson. And so um, when you ask me who, who I look up to, definitely my mom, definitely Chris Hadfield. And it's completely ironic that you that you say that because I'm I'm completely starstruck speaking to you right now, <laughs> the same way that you probably felt about um, Chris Hadfield. So that's that's completely awesome. Um, OK, but and here's the thing, though. Here's the yeah. thing, Mahima. This is what I tell, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that people um, look up to me and, but the challenge I put forth to, you know, when I'm giving talks or even my challenge to you is my hope is someday I'm the one shaking your hand saying amazing job. And, you know, I'm the one who, you know, that whatever, whatever you're doing with your career that you surpass even me. And so, you know, it's, it's passing the torch from career to career. So, so even if you're just getting started, you, you, you know, it's, it's, you have a springboard to go forth upon. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, it's so inspiring to hear that. Um, and now, so for the final question, um, what advice would you give? Uh, what's the number one advice you give, would you give to young people who might be a little bit unsure right now or a little lost, you know, given the current climate, maybe their career has, you know, kind of slowed down a little bit, or, or they're just uncertain about the future, um, just like everyone else is, but specifically to young people, what would you say? Oh, sure. Yeah, I that's a great question. Um, so I think the first thing to say in the face of uncertainty, whether there's a pandemic or not, even if you're not sure about 
what it is that you were meant to do. You know, you hear so often, find your passion, but you may not know what that passion is. Treat it like a scientific hypothesis. Formulate a hypothesis about something you may be interested in and then go out and test it. And then even if you find that you weren't meant to go down the path of being a, a lab scientist, if you weren't meant to go be an engineer, at least you know when you have that answer and you've tested that hypothesis. Um, the second piece of advice is act like you belong here because you do. And science and space needs all of us. It needs all comers, all backgrounds, all genders, all disciplines. It's not just for pilots. It's not just for engineers. It's not just for scientists. It's for artists and storytellers and educators and policymakers. So if you think you have an interest in a, in a field where maybe your discipline or your your demographic was not previously rep, uh, represented, um, then, you know, why not be the first? You, there is a place for you there. Uh, and then the last piece of advice I have is work really, really, really hard. Uh, develop the strongest work ethic of anyone you know. Uh, be that person that, you know, works um, the hardest amongst your peers because, um, you know, some people are born with talent, some people aren't, but hard work is something that all of us uh, can always cultivate and, and build. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's some solid advice and it's completely valid, um, especially now that people are feeling a little bit uncertain about you know, what might happen. I think it's great to hear um, those words of inspiration. So thanks so much for being with us today, Shauna. I had a lot of fun chatting with you and I hope you did as well. I did as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really um, enjoyed being on the podcast. Yeah, And I would also urge our listeners to check out uh, Shauna's social media platform. She's got some great content on Twitter and I personally love uh, her Instagram as well. So I would urge everyone to check that out. For anyone who wants to find me online, you can find me at Shauna Pandya, S-H-A-W-N-A-P-A-N-D-Y-A um, on Instagram, on Twitter, Dr. Shauna Pandya on LinkedIn and Facebook, and of course, shaunapandya.com for my website. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.